All views and opinions expressed in this podcast may lead to learning. All information provided is for educational and developmental purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for a growth mindset. Before taking action, please consult your motivation. Mike, you're muted, buddy. We, we still can't hear Mike, but we'll, we'll wait for him. No, Mike, you're muted. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> He's back. He's back. It's a zoo. Yeah, here we go, folks. Yeah, yeah. The Zoom moment it wouldn't was, be it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a suitable end of your podcast without a Zoom moment. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. And I, I still think it's it's a work in progress. Rome wasn't built in a day, right? You don't have to do it all today. It's just laying one brick at a time. Do they ever say how long it took to build Rome? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't a day, but how long was it? I how don't know. It's it? a good yeah. question. That's a good question. We can Google that. How long did it take to build Rome? <laughs> Oof, how long was this episode? It was almost two hours. Jeez Louise. This is the Teacher Talking Time Podcast. Maybe Leo, I'll throw it to you first. What has been the biggest lesson that you've learned this year? Everyone knows that being ready for whatever may come is beneficial. Planning for the future is great, but it's also very important for us to recognize the uncertainty that we face every day. For me, it's this. Every adversity presents an opportunity for us to prove our own ability to remain mindful amid chaos and to observe and learn from the way other people respond. The, the sheer value of having a group of critical friends mm. who are able to to be honest with you and to also um, guide you and and to direct you when when you when you need help and support and being able to say that you're wrong and that you don't know when you don't know um, is, is quite important for me I think the biggest lesson is to not take anything for granted. But I think that it's a mentality rather than uh, a reality. Things change. Uh, usually, you know, and change can be good, it can be bad. Usually it's neutral. It's how we look at it that makes it positive or negative. Um, and we can either get on the bus and go with it, or we can try to resist and probably, you know, fall in a hole somewhere. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Thinkific. With education increasingly moving online and the market for self-study and self-paced learning expanding, Thinkific is a great place to launch that lesson or course you have. We host our own courses for teachers and students there. If you've taken one of our courses, you know how user-friendly the interface is and how it offers a range of video, audio, and text lessons, along with a way to engage with other students in the course. Not to mention, it's very easy to build. If you want to take a leap and put that course you have online, try Thinkific. Learn Your English has a special link for our listeners who want to try it without any commitment. Get started with a free month when you go to try.thinkific.com slash L-Y-E dash trial. That's try.thinkific.com slash L-Y-E dash trial. Thanks for listening to us and for subscribing to Teacher Talking Time. Now. Let's get back to the show.
Hey everyone, my name is Maurice and I'm from Ivory Coast. You're listening to the Teacher Talking Time to Learn Your English podcast. Coucou tout le monde, je m'appelle Maurice et je viens de Côte d'Ivoire. Vous écoutez the Teacher Talking Time to Learn Your English podcast. Amusez-vous bien! Welcome to the Teacher Talking Time podcast, episode 31, and this is our last episode of the year, and this has become almost like a tradition, boys, to devote this last episode to looking back into what we have accomplished and also look forward into what's coming ahead. So first and foremost, I have to say this year has been a rather atypical year, boys and girls, um, and in today's episode, me, Leo, I'm joined by my two partners in crime, Mike and Andrew. What's going on? Hey, yo. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about <laughs> lessons that, actually three segments, I have to say. Um, so the show today is divided into three segments. We will start by looking at lessons learned from the top five episodes from 2020. Interestingly, I have to say, some of my favorite episodes didn't make it to the top five, but we'll talk about that later. Um, the second segment, we're going to be looking at Lessons that we have learned this year, both professionally and personally. And finally, we will wrap up the show with um, in the third segment where we will be talking a little bit about making development goals for 2021 in light of this current global situation. Mike and Andrew, three of us back again, finally. Back hey. at it, boys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We, we made it, everyone. It's nice to have the three of us in studio uh, every once in a while. So it's it's nice. Life gets in the way sometimes, but this this is very nice to see your your beautiful faces. It gets warm being this close, though. You know, all three of us <laughs> crowded together like this. But uh, yeah, we haven't had. But any, we'll manage. That's right. We haven't had any episode this year where the three of us were in it, right? Except for the culture of the culture of learning, right? Right. No, I don't think. Right. I think. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been twelve months since the three of us did a teacher talking time together. And uh, I recently, very recently on the weekend, we're recording this on a Monday. So very recently listened to that episode 12 months ago. And it was a very interesting um, listen because you, I mean, as, as time goes on and you look back at things that you did in the past and how we were talking back then, it's interesting. I mean, not that anyone could predict a pandemic, obviously, but mm -hmm. uh, three guys sitting around recording a podcast in December 2019 is very different than the three of us sitting around recording a podcast right now. Absolutely. Yeah. What yeah. were Just some of the, the differences? All the ideas you... we had. Yeah. Mm. Any, anything interesting that you've picked up from that 2019 episode? Yes, but I'm not going to share it just yet. That's a little oh, teaser no. for later. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Jeez. Okay. So, so let's, uh, <laughs> but before we, we get the ball rolling here with segment one, um, very important. If you are a listener of our podcast, if you are a fan of the work that we do, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to leave a comment. Um, this is a labor of love. We, we don't get paid for this. We use this as part of our professional development. And if you like the show, as I said, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Um, what is it? What do we have? Uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Yeah, the I big mean, ones. Maybe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, yeah. iHeartRadio. Those are the big ones. And if, wow. But there are other wow. ones as well. So, Look at us. I know. Yeah. And so, obviously on the website. 
as well. You can yes. stream if you're mm -hmm. not someone who likes to listen as they walk around doing shopping or whatever. You want to listen at home as you're cooking or whatever you're doing. Uh, LearnYourEnglish.net slash podcast. All the episodes are streamed there as well. Awesome. Before we actually jump into the first segment, boys, um, a very important message. We are turning to oh. next year in January. Wow. That's right. Yes. And we have a surprise. We have a surprise episode coming up. It's terrible not a surprise twos. episode. Yeah, the terrible twos, yes. Do we wanna let's let's do we wanna tease it or do we wanna drop it now? What do we I think we can talk do? a little bit about yeah. it. I think it would be interesting for people to know what we're up to, what we're planning. So if you're listening to this in December of two thousand and twenty, uh you're in luck. If you're listening to this in December of two thousand and twenty five, you missed it. So Sorry. <laughs> oh, now you tell me. <laughs> just stop listening, folks. Just just start a new episode. Um, but yeah, we're like what Leo said, we're turning two as a podcast in January, which is kind of a, a cool milestone for us. I don't know that we expected to go for two years or what we expected or even if we expected anything when we started. But yes, January is our official two year birthday. And to commemorate that and to appreciate kind of what the podcast has become. And of course, everyone who listens and supports us, we are going to be doing a live episode where people can Sweet. join in, people can submit questions, people can talk. It's going to be on YouTube. It will be recorded as usual and released on all of those apps that Leo mentioned earlier. Um, but Tuesday, January the 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern time uh, is when we will be doing that. And more details on Instagram and on the website and all that stuff as we get closer. But mark it on the calendar if you'd like to either watch or participate, because that's an option, too. Sweet. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. Two years. It's just a great way to connect with our audience, right? We've, they've been following us for at least two years. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's just great to finally make them a part of it. Yes. And yes. thank you for being along since the beginning because Leo you asked if I'd noticed anything interesting in that listening to that previous year's episode and I'll say one thing yes our audio quality has improved drastically yes <laughs> yes that's important that's really important we've gotten better at the at the production side of this that's good that's I don't good. know I still have my old microphone as like this little memento right my old little <laughs> snowball microphone but uh yeah it's like a trophy nice. back there yeah keep it keep it Maybe yeah, why maybe not? we'll uh maybe we'll raffle it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, there's that's something. There we go. That's Someone something wants there. to start yeah, a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So don't miss that YouTube live. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So segment one. Uh, I guess let's dive in. We don't want to talk about Mike's spit on his mic for for too much longer. Probably yes. easy now. Easy. Yes. Um, well. We're going to go gonna say, in reverse yeah, order, Leo, or going to go in the... No, we always go from... We, we do a countdown, just okay. like Much Music, MTV, and we're going we're gonna to go from the from the number five all the way to number one. Much we, Music. Good Lord. Yes. Now, now, if, now we're not going to be here all day, right? No, no. It's, no, it's no. short. It's short. We're just going to talk about one or two things that we've learned or we liked from each episode, and then we'll move on to segment two. So lessons learned from the top five episodes from 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, it was an incredible year in terms of podcasting. Lots of really amazing guests and equally amazing interviews this year on the Teacher Talking Time podcast. Interestingly, as I said in the beginning of the show, some of my favorite episodes didn't make it to the top five. Oh, but wow. that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I will talk up. Maybe maybe they they're gonna get an honorable mention. Okay. At the end. Oh, okay. Well, we should we should say we that would we, be fair. Yeah, we calculated this just by downloads 
in the mm-hmm. calendar year. So it's not all time downloads, but it is for the from January 1st until today. Which is unfair to someone like Luke Meddings, who was on the show last month. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, Luke. That's not good. That's okay. That's okay. It's <laughs> still a very good episode. So let's start with uh, number five. Well, number five was uh, Chiara Brizano and Mark Jones. Andrew, that's our um, round, table. round table. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. We invited them on and they were great. And we came on and, or they came on and we interviewed them and did a roundtable discussion on teaching listening. Mm-hmm. And that was in conjunction with the course that we released. And of course, talking about teaching listening rather than testing listening, moving away from a comprehension approach. And Mark and Chiara are both experts in the field. And it was great to have them on and learn I also think it's daunting, like Mark was saying, for teachers to teach listening. And it's also daunting for teachers to think of completely changing the way they do things. There is Ah. a place, there can be a place for comprehension questions. There can be um, sort of a middle uh, ground in here. So so going from this completely comprehension-based approach to a more process-oriented approach can go through different stages. And so Mm. teachers can incorporate new practices. We don't really, as teachers get involved with the same activities that our students are doing. It's actually some research done by uh, Joseph Siegel and found that actually not many teachers are modeling how to listen. So if we can actually get involved in the listening stage and show how we went about uh, listening to the same thing that our students are doing, then we can give feedback and show the difference between what a successful listener does and what possibly an unsuccessful listener does. Biggest takeaway for you guys. I'll, I'll go because I was actually a kind of outside observer here listening to it. I wasn't able to make that round table due to my schedule. But I think one thing that really stood out was just how reassuring it was from, from a learn your English perspective. I feel like this year we, we launched our teaching listening made easy program. And I think having this round table with these two experts really showed that we, we were on the right track, that, that we need to kind of move beyond. We as a field need to move beyond listening, uh, testing, listening, this idea of testing for listening for gist and listening for details and moving on, so to speak, um, and really kind of explore text, you know, less is more, um, a shorter text, and then doing more with it. And I think that the reason I mentioned the course is because we cover like a lot of these themes, right? We cover bottom up processing, top down processing, a lot of what they discussed in the podcast is is in the course and and i feel like as they brought up teachers are interested teachers want to innovate but there's this real gap in terms of having opportunities either in their own work environment or or even just a sense of direction and i think that it's reassuring that 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 we're there providing this other course um and helping teachers along this kind of journey um i just found the points that they were discussing really made me think that as a, as a company that we share a, a very similar philosophy in our approach. And um, I can see that really giving back to the field, not only this year, but for many years to come through the, the course. I think one of the things that you said, Mike, that I maybe I'll throw this to Andrew, and maybe both of you can answer is when you said less is more. I think that's, that's a very important concept in, in language teaching and language education, because mm-hmm. when we think about the way most courses are designed, and Andrew will relate because he was teaching in an EAP program up until a couple of months ago. 
where students are, were always listening to a new TED talk every day. So Andrew, well, like when you when you think about that episode, reflecting upon it and and thinking about how we design teaching listening made easy and how people approach um, listening in the classroom, what do you like? What's your what's your biggest takeaway when you think about this idea, this notion of less is more when teaching listening? Mm-hmm. So I think just to add on to what Mike said, an extension of that is it's nice to see that there are people and there are men and Kara and Mark are those people, but they also represent a lot of people that we've met this year who share that philosophy of, of teaching, listening. So it, it is something that's growing. There is a large community. It's not just us. It's not just the two of them, um, but it, it, there is a, a, a movement in our industry of moving away from this, as, as you, you guys call it, the, the standard comprehension approach, et cetera, whatever you want to call it, but testing of of comprehension rather than teaching strategies and skills. So that was really nice to see that that those people exist and we're forming our own little community of people who, who appreciate and, and like that approach. Um, the less is more comes from, you know, we all know that extensive and intensive uh, learning of receptive skills is important, um, but maybe not so not all the time. And maybe we don't do so much extensive work in the classroom itself due to time constraints and other things. And the less is more approach um, is one that I like because you know, we need to exploit a text for everything that it can possibly offer before moving on to another one. So extensive listening would be watching a TED talk every day, for example. Here's 15 minutes, watch it, answer some questions. Now we move on to the next one. But it doesn't really, as Mike suggested, it doesn't help them with their bottom-up processing, doesn't help them with features, doesn't help them with strategies to then do that extensive listening um, productively outside of the classroom. So I think that's just what I would take away is how we, how can we choose shorter texts or simply extracts of longer texts to work on those strategies in the classroom? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think, Andrew, and, and you brought this up, and I know Kara and Mark both brought this up, and the, the, the end goal, and Leo, I know you're big on this as well, the end goal is for them to be autonomous learners, yeah. right? And this connects to a lot of the other podcasts on this list, right? The goal here is to make make our learners or encourage our learners to, to have a, a thirst for lifelong learning, right? And mm-hmm. when you're bombarding them with text and then moving on to the next one, it, it, they're not developing those skills as, as Kara said, they're not developing this kind of metacognitive awareness mm-hmm. of their weaknesses, right? Of strategies for how they can improve. So therefore they're never really going to improve because they're not, again, developing these habits that they need to become better listeners. Especially for stronger listeners, where where we know the, the right. plateau effect and, and how the, the measurability, so to speak, of improvement is much more difficult to see. And the, although they know they need to improve, they just, they don't know how. Yeah, and I yeah. think that that's it, right? It's not the learner's fault. It's, it's that they, that as you said, Andrew, they've plateaued and, you know, we're teachers, right? So our job isn't, in, isn't to uh, transmit knowledge, it's to help them become better learners, right? Like. We're educators in that regard, right, Leo? Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to say, and this is not mentioned in the podcast, but it connects to what we discussed in the podcast. I have come across a checklist by a company. I think it's called Cambridge, Cambridge Assessment English. And in one of the slides, in one of their presentations, um, they were talking about how they can help students while doing listening tasks. And some of it's interesting to note that, and again, to go back to what you said, Mike, it's not the students' faults and it's not the teachers' faults. As, as I think Kiara mentioned this in the podcast, a lot of teachers want to get better at teaching 
listening, but a lot of the training programs are not addressing the shortcomings of this comprehension approach. And we're not here saying that the comprehension approach is bad, but I think it needs to be, it needs to emphasize, it needs to focus more on, on decoding. And just to add to this, when I was looking at the list from this Cambridge Assessment English, they talk a lot about learning language chunks, focusing on gist, playing the recording more than once, slowing down the playback, letting students read the tape, the, the tape script and, and listen to compare written and spoken speech. But there is absolutely no mention of decoding, which to me, perhaps it's a good sign. Yeah, the, Q, the QP, CUP is basically testing listening still or just helping learners pass um, exams that are poorly designed. But that's a good start. Like all those things that you mentioned, like those are, I think we're just, we're talking about exploiting a text. It's not mm -hmm. stopping after that final task cycle of, of deeper comprehension or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Keep going. And then we do some transcription tasks and do some decoding and put some bottom up processing. And, and there are other steps to pursue with a text, you know, beyond that. And yeah. sometimes when you're doing your pre-service training, it's also, maybe it's a little bit easier to, to do that because the texts, if you're teaching beginner students, like I think this is more of an issue when we bring authentic text, texts into the classroom because yeah. the texts that are in beginner A1, A2 textbooks are obviously very short. So maybe it's a lot easier or could be easier to do those extensions. When we get into TED Talks that are 15, 20 minutes, it might not be as obvious how to go about it. Here's an example of this. I've been teaching um, a group of three students, and we've been using the same 20-minute talk for almost a month now. But every, every session, it's 20 minutes. We're on minute 10 now. <laughs> We're only on minute 10. But every session, we pick a different part of the text, of this listening text, and we decode, and we work with the language, and we look at different tasks that we can use to exploit this. So I think just to wrap this episode up and move, move on to the next episode, climbing up the charts, I think the idea of less is more is something that we emphasize, the idea of, of learner autonomy, developing critical thinking. These are all things that we've uh, put together when we designed our course, Teaching Listening Made Easy. So if, if you want to learn more about how to teach listening and not test listening or practice listening, we strongly recommend that you get a copy of our course. And if you like it, which I'm sure you will, because so far we have, we have had um, overwhelming positive feedback, um, I'm sure you're going to like learn a lot more about how to teach and not test listening. All right. And going up on the list now, as you said, so Leo, this is your interview, so I'll introduce it for you. Number four of 2020 uh, was Mr. Neil McMillan, who is one of the, correct me here, Leo, one of the founders, one of the owners, one of the founding members. I think of he's the president. The presidents, okay. Yeah. Of a co-op based out of Barcelona, Spain, called SLB for short. And he came on to talk about that, what they do as a co-op, and his views on one of our favorite approaches, TBLT. I on several occasions have agreed with the class to leave the course to go home. And uh, one of the things that I've done is, and this is probably making a rod for my own back, where we go in, we do a rudimentary needs analysis, mm -hmm. what you need to do with the language. And we compare that needs analysis with the context page of the course book and see how much oh. That's a very interesting thing to do. And, and when, when very little of it matches up, we say, okay, maybe we could do that in the restaurant section at the back of, of chapter 5B, 
<laughs> so maybe you can tell us your takeaways of that interview. It's funny because I was re-listening to that interview um, very recently, and there was one thing that I really, really liked, and I never, I wish I had explored that a little more in the interview, which is um, this debate that we had, whether ELT is a genuine career, given the fact that there is a lot of, uh, it lacks regulation in the industry. Anyone with, uh, and I think we've seen this now with the, the boom of online education, everyone today um, is an ESL teacher, is teaching English online. And I think that's one of the things that I would like us to perhaps talk a little bit about is how could we as a, as a company, how can we as, as professionals, how can we professionalize our industry a little more? And Mike has been doing his PhD and perhaps he could tell us a little bit more because now he's looking at things from an like a broad educational perspective. So maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, um, I'll throw the ball in his court right now. Maybe he can tell us a little bit more about that. Mike, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I think that we've talked a little bit about this on, on other kind of podcast episodes and, and, and in our teacher development um, membership program or CPD program at Learn Your English. And it's this, this idea of um, really kind of just moving away from teaching and focusing more on educating. And, and mm. really for me, what I've learned is it's kind of this greater role that we play in not, not necessarily, as I said earlier, transmitting information and, and teaching, say, um, mm -hmm. discrete items. It's more or less building from the bottom up. It's about understanding your learner, right? Which is, which is essentially what, what Neil is talking about, right? It's finding out what the learners need to know mm -hmm. and want to know and then find ways of supporting them through that. And then yeah. hopefully the end goal is that they become more capable and uh, positive members of society, right? They find a way to, to in turn contribute and change and innovate society through this, this kind of empowerment yeah. that, that they've, they've, you've, not, I don't want to say enabled, but that you've supported, right? That you've, mm -hmm. you're building on the existing funds of knowledge that they bring with them and you're, you're, you're helping to refine, in this case, their English proficiency. But it could be whatever, whatever skill it is. And I think for me, when I listen to this podcast, I mean, there were lots of great points. Um, I think one point goes back to what we said earlier about um, teachers wanting to improve, wanting right. to innovate. But TBLT, and Leo, you and I have encountered this in our own workshops, that TBLT is somehow maybe inaccessible for them right that yes. it's this there's this mystique behind it right so mm -hmm. so that's one thing that really stood out that that it's actually not that inaccessible that there are frameworks that teachers can follow that teachers yeah. can, can adapt to suit their purpose and the other one was this idea of needs analysis mm. and um the misalignment that that and you've got it only kind of made an appearance towards the end of the podcast but this misalignment between what teachers think the future needs or future community that their learners are going to join might have. So the expectations of that future community, for example, in our context, teaching English as an additional language in EAP settings, um, we have this idea of what professors in specific disciplines might want. But in, in reality, when you, uh, you actually interview these people, you find out that, that no, actually, that, that <laughs> yeah. they're prioritizing these other things. Right. So, so in many ways, the way that we're approaching our practice 
doesn't really align with the actual needs mm-hmm. that um, that the the students have in this specific discipline community, right? So, or discourse community. So, so I think those were the two big ones. It's kind of demystifying TBLT, but also making sure what you do in the classroom actually does align yeah. with um, with the future lives of your students. And, and that goes I'm- back to again helping them contribute. those communities what i'm hearing here basically mike is it's perhaps a deconstruction of the nature of teaching perhaps and i think one of the leading questions in education today primarily concerns the role of the teacher and i think when we think about what the role of a teacher is as you were saying it's it's really to educate it's not to transmit we live in, in the information era now everyone has access to information and i think a teacher that spends an hour of their classroom teaching a student the present perfect is really doing a disservice to those learners. Because again, the question then becomes, as I said, the role of the teacher. Should, should teachers directly instruct their students or is the teacher's role simply to encourage, as you said, and support them as they learn and construct knowledge for or, themselves? Or the opposite think, of that, Leo, too, I would say, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like, okay, I, teaching direct or explicitly those those items like present perfect, right? Sure. Right. But also the direct opposite of that in just teaching content, for example, mm, so teaching yes. our students about um, the vaccine that's coming up and what do I know yeah. about it? I don't, I'm not an expert on that. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a medical professional. So using a topic to uh, use it for linguistic purposes and having them. So I'm, you know, as we all are, I'm sure I'm teaching a private student who's a doctor and she's working in COVID units and um, I'm having her talk to me about her thoughts on the vaccine and we're using lots of language to she talks about it all the time in Spanish and she doesn't know how to talk about it in English so right. I don't know anything about other than the, the superficiality of this vaccine and the news of it right I don't know anything about it but um, right. where I'm guiding her through she needs she has patients or, or, or companies she works with in, in English speaking parts of the world needs to talk about it so we're working towards that so I think both extremes I would say are, are equal in this case just yeah. talking about grammatical items, McNuggets, let's say, and then also just talking about topics without diving into um, the communicative element of of that topic with them. And I think that was one of the underlying messages of that episode is that we believe that the very nature, and Mike will agree with me because he's, he's talking, we've been talking, we've been having these conversations all the time, <laughs> that the very nature of human learning requires that every individual within within the, the the classroom discourse creates his or own um, his or her own understanding of the world from their own experience with the language from action from reflection and it's not so much from from having these um, or from having what, what uh, Thornbury wisely said grandma McNuggets or pre-digested information presented by a teacher in a textbook and I think that's what Neil was trying to get at with with his um, with his episode, right? Yeah, but I think I, again, this would also tie into what um, I think Mark brought this up in in the um, the, the number five podcast, the roundtable on listening, and, and that is that um, you know what is the classroom, right? How are you supposed to use your time in the classroom? Yes. And what I'm hearing is that the classroom now becomes a place for reflection, for mm-hmm. for discovering why these gaps have emerged. Um, if it's for listening, maybe it's skills related, maybe it's a processing. Maybe it's processability, just maybe the text itself is really complex. Um, but it's that that's it. Then you become this kind of guide, right? This guide on the side where you're mm-hmm. saying, well, to me, 
maybe this could have been right. This could have been the 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 gap. So let's work mm-hmm. on this. Sorry, Andrew, yeah. I didn't mean to jump in. Trademark there, but... Gomez, 2019. Well, the I mean, that's, on the yeah. Side. Sorry, I yeah. have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. No, I know we got to we got to move on, but uh, just the biggest takeaway, or one, I guess not the biggest, but one of the biggest uh, from Neil was when you asked him about because TBLT test based language teaching and learning can be and is daunting for many teachers because it's a whole other world. It's it seems drastic to suggest that we're going to throw away all of our materials and our books and we're just going to go into the class. And maybe that's not an appropriate step for many teachers but you guys talked about how teachers can quote-unquote taskify their course books taskify their materials Mm -hmm. to still utilize a lot of this approach without you know being that drastic at least at first or if you know like honestly like if you're working for an institution that requires you to use certain books and certain materials of course that's what you need to do so leo maybe just in 30 seconds you can touch on what neil advised there how can teachers use a TBLT methodology with a course book. I would actually not going to say much about that. What I was going to say is, is if you want to learn more about how to taskify, <laughs> you should just listen to another episode with another Neil where we actually <laughs> talked about that because he, he wrote an entire book with another Neil. That's right. <laughs> so Neil so McCutcheon. Neils TBLT. The Neils Neil, only do TBLT. That's it. That's yeah. it. Neil McCutcheon <laughs> wrote a book with Neil Anderson. And we talked about this in the episode with Neil uh, McMillan. But the idea is very simple. You just look at, look at the tasks in the course books and use that as the starting point. That's basically it. So you, you're basically, we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to uh, episode number two, when we get to PPP. Kind of already giving it away here, but okay, it's so um, my fault. I, I jumped the gun, yeah. No, it's okay, <laughs> but it, it's just that it, it's not. I think there, Mike said this when we were doing our test based language teaching uh seminars, webinars, uh, throughout the year. A lot of teachers think that task based language teaching is basically reinventing the way you do things, and it's not that hard. It requires a change of mindset, it requires an understanding of how of how people learn, as we said earlier, and just a little bit of training. And of course, you need institutional backup. Your company, your school, whatever institution you're working for, they need to be um, supporting you in the implementation of a task-based syllabus or, or, or um, implementing tasks in, in the classroom. I think that was the the biggest um, takeaway from that episode. It's a great episode. I really, I really like talking talking mm-hmm. to Neil. And it's interesting. Again, I don't. Like, 2020 is such yeah. a weird year for many reasons. So that came out on February 11th. Uh, huh. So it was right right before. before, basically, in this part of the world, in North America, South America, the pandemic really hit hard. So um, the conversation regarding is ELT a real career is a good one, but it's obviously taken on different forms and different shapes yes. since that conversation was happened. So lots of reflecting there That's as true. well. Episode number three. So our third most listened to episode of 2020 uh, was another interview, Leo, that you did again pre-pandemic. Uh, this one came out, I want to say it was in, this was our March episode. Yes. Yes, March, March 11th. So definitely right before, at least in, in Canada. <laughs> Um, the pandemic kind of took hold. So, Vinicius. Ten years ago. Yes, it does. Man, <laughs> tell me about that, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leo, forgive me if I'm butchering his name because my, my Brazilian accent isn't as it was once was. But Vinicius Nolbre. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, came on and that. he uh, does a lot of teacher training and works with teachers 
with a lot of organizations. I talked about Troika a lot, where he worked there in Brazil. The, you know, and then you become what we are supposed to be, a true facilitator, a yes. moderator of learning, which is this beautiful idea mm -hmm. that in practical terms doesn't really, I, at least in my experience, I, I don't see it happen a lot. I, I, yeah. I see development programs that will truly prepare teachers to be educators and facilitators. Quite the contrary. I, I see a lot of, of programs trying to uh, help teachers just, you know, survive by, yeah. you know, giving them uh, very prescriptive ideas and kind of like recipes in a way and not empowering them to to become true educators and facilitators of the learning process. And maybe you can uh, lead us off here with one or two takeaways from what uh, Vinicius talked about. Yeah, one of the things that I really liked about our conversation, and I think Mike will, uh, and you as well, Andrew, and I think the listeners will enjoy is that um, I think teachers, a lot of teachers have a very superficial understanding of what motivation is. We think that motivating a student is giving them candy or or giving them points to help them pass. But motivation goes much deeper. And I think that was one of the I, I think we talked about I think from what I remember, we talked a little bit about the roles that teachers play in terms of motivating the students. And I think the role that they play is in carefully selecting materials or carefully preparing themselves to teach students in the way that they actually learn as opposed to hey if you complete this activity you can finish well, we can finish class 10 minutes early or if you finish this activity i'll give you some some candy which again is just shows that we still we're still looking at motivation from a very superficial perspective any any yeah. thoughts on that yeah no i i would agree and and i think that that leo you brought up the point of the of the the gym right like like the the field overall, and maybe our problem, our, our mindset as, as teachers sometimes is on the product, right? Mm -hmm. Rather mm -hmm. than the process. And, and that the challenge in terms of motivation is, as you said, is a question of relevance, right? Yes. It, it's, it's making the learning experience itself the valuable thing, right? That's and right. that involves, again, we go back to tapping into the learner, right? Tapping into the, the mindset of the learner finding out what, what they see as their needs mm -hmm. and, um, and addressing those. I thought it was really interesting, the whole thing about English before the, uh, the World Cup and the Olympics. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah, and, we uh, talked about Expecting that. the market to be booming, and then lo and behold, it wasn't. But again, it goes back to investment, right? Like there has to be some sort of investment. There has to be a relevance to the language. And, uh, and I guess if we could think about tasks, there has to be a relevant to to the tasks, to what we do in the class, right? We even talked about the, the fact that a lot of Brazilian speakers are very hesitant to communicate. And one of the things that I remember, I don't know if we talked about this throughout the podcast or if it was like before we started recording, but one of the things that really caught my eye, and this is a hypothesis that I've been putting forward to a lot of my Brazilian friends, is that I think a lot of the, many of the reasons why Brazilian speakers are so hesitant to communicate is because throughout the entire lesson cycle, they're not communicating. They're passive recipients of information about the language. And then when, when they get to the end of that teaching cycle, they're, they're expected to communicate. And 99% of the times, Mike, as you said, what they're talking about are the things that they're trying to, the messages that they're trying to get across are not relevant to their needs. And as you said, relevance does play a very important role in, in how people 
feel motivated to learn a language because if I'm in a classroom and I remember my own experience learning languages, I remember when I was in Spain and I went to attend a class in Spanish and I was there for only a week, I would say three out of five opportunities that we had to communicate in the language, I was talking about things that I just didn't really care about. Yeah, you've talked about this before, right? The um, it's it's often about the second person, right? The he, the she, yes, the I, right? Mm -hmm. And because uh, we are not naturally storytellers, right? We love talking right. about ourselves. When we learn our first language, we only use pronouns like I and you, because mm -hmm. we're mm -hmm. sometimes we talk about our boss. If but again, it depends on the age. Teenagers don't want to like we like to gossip, so we use pronouns like he or she, but. With, with a lot of the textbooks, which seem to be the driving force in a lot of um, countries, they are always talking about a celebrity. They're always talking about mm. another person, but they're not talking about the people in the classroom, the lives of the people in the classroom, which seem to matter more than anything else. And that's why he's, for me, what he said, what Vinny said was that course books are not recipes. Mm. So they're not to be followed verbatim. Or exactly. Yes. So if there is a celebrity in on the page, but as the teacher, I, I can change that to the person, the people in my classroom I can still go through and do the aims and objectives, but can, you know, baking and cooking, I guess, right? When you cook, you mm -hmm. can put more spice if you're, if you like more spicy food, but when you're baking, yeah. you can't change anything because the, the, the result will be different. So don't follow it as a baking recipe. Maybe it's more like cooking where you can change certain elements, spice to taste, you know? There is a very interesting um, idea that was also brought up by, by Vinny in this podcast, in this episode, which is similar to what we talked about uh, with Neil, which was the, the challenges of professionalizing ELT in Brazil as well. Because uh, in Brazil, if, you are, if you've lived abroad, then you are automatically qualified to teach English. If you are a native speaker without any qualifications, you, are, um, you actually you're preferred over someone who has studied the language for a couple of years. So that's, that's a common thread amongst those, those two episodes there, professionalizing our industry. Yeah. And also this idea of, of uh, kind of knowing, you know, knowing that your personal practical experience serves you well in certain situations, but that they also have that kind of critical awareness of, of, and, and willingness rather to kind of problematize your own practice. Right to dig a little deeper, right? And um, I mean, this wasn't mentioned, but when, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, you know, that sounds a lot like critical action research, right? Where you're, you're, you're choosing to focus on one aspect, you're looking at it, you're thinking a little bit about, okay, how can I get better? How can I improve? And kind of, again, working from the bottom up, which I think we do and certainly encourage in our CPD teacher membership, right? This idea of testing out hypotheses and then really kind of examining the impact of those in your classroom. And then also internally, you know, how do you feel when you're doing those? Are you feeling more confident? Are you still nervous? Right. And I think that kind of is the next stage, right? Like for all teachers, I would argue, not just in Brazil, to move beyond the training and to kind of take more ownership over what you can control with your own professional development. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the deficiencies that, that he mentioned in teacher training courses were that, that most teachers are not developing this, this, this sense of criticality that is required to become a better educator because most of the time what they're doing is they're just passively consuming what is being 
um, given to them. And there was a quote recently that I came across from uh, Kumara Vadivelu, our favorite name to pronounce here. And one of the things that he said was that um, he, he I, I'm not sure if I'm quoting him correctly here, so you're going to have to bear with me for a second. But one of the things he said is that if we want teachers, we want teachers to develop the necessary knowledge and skills, but then which knowledge and skills? Well, to observe, to analyze, to evaluate their own classroom discourse. That is the language that the teachers and the students use to communicate in the classroom, but why? Well, so that they can, without an over-reliance on external agents, in this case, the textbook or other um, external agents, such as uh, you know electronic e-boards, whatever, to theorize what they practice and to practice what they theorize, which to us basically means practice what you preach and preach what you practice. Yeah, and, and I also think that... Um... He would also argue that uh, that that should be the end game for the students as well, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that by fostering these things, by by practicing what you preach, Leo, that hopefully these same practices will get absorbed by the students, that they mm-hmm. themselves will become attend have form this um, state of criticality, as, yes. as you and Vinny described. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was a good right. ep- a good episode. Very yeah. good, very good. Uh, moving up the board, number two Oof. is Jason Anderson, who we were very happy to have on the show. We like to, Jason has a different view than than a lot of people, and the three of us certainly. Um, but that's good. I think that's a it's a good way to to move the discussion forward. And it's not good to only talk to people who you agree with. Uh, mm-hmm. It's good to not that we necessarily disagree with him. I think he makes a lot of good points. But obviously, Jason talking about the PPP approach. Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Um, and his view is it isn't as bad, for lack of a better word, than a lot of people say. And he did a lot of research on the origins of the PPP approach, mm. which mm-hmm. TBLT actually is a baby of PPP, which is interesting um, from his research. So I thought that was a very interesting interview. And what's interesting about PPP is because of its relationship to skill acquisition theory, it keeps coming back. Even me, I keep trying to stop talking about it. I made a fundamental point that two basic points that it isn't non-communicative. And secondly, the research evidence isn't simply against it. It's complex, it's varied, and it's nuanced. Possibly a balance of evidence against it, but it ain't strong and it ain't the most important factor. And given that it's it's much more catch-onable, it's much more consistent with curricular systems around the world. What's the big problem? Let's focus on something else. And it was annoying me that people would say, when I said to people, well, sometimes I do teach PPP, people would look at me like I was mad. But that's the important thing, to be reflexive about these things, because if you're suggesting something, and I suggest it very much as, not because I think this is the most important thing about teaching and learning, but because I think that this dominance of assumptions that, oh, this is what the research is telling us, and if you're not doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. I disagree with that so strongly. I think my biggest takeaway from that interview wasn't so much the interview itself, but it was the fact that we we brought on the show someone who had a completely different viewpoint from ourselves. And I think the lesson that I take from that is conversations that we have with ourselves or conversations that we have with other people will always remain our only means of making intellectual and moral progress. So listening to Jason Anderson, I found myself many times just basically not in disagreement. I was like, no, no, I don't agree with this. But it was, it really forced me to, to really consider 
the two sides mm-hmm. of this conversation. So I think for me, the biggest takeaway was was that this idea that we really need to be um, we need to be forced um, to always consider both sides of of an argument. I guess that was it for me. Yeah. <laughs> not that I didn't like the episode. It's not that. It's just that that was the biggest takeaway for me because we really wanted him on the show. Yeah. And no, you, I think you, I think he yeah, does a good job him. of making us wonder, you know, making a, a distinction between ideal learning environment and realistic learning environment. Because mm. Jason does a lot of work in India, in third world countries where teachers don't have, I'll call it a luxury, don't have a luxury of teaching 15 students in your class, 10 students in your class, even 20 students in your class. You've got 50 students, 60 students in your classroom pre-pandemic obviously and you know those are just the the realistic that's the reality of of the teaching context and is it ideal no um can we use a tblt approach in those contexts sure um is it the most useful thing to do maybe these are all questions right and he, he says the answer is no to those and other expectations of teachers jobs being based on student performance and principals and parents and the whole thing that we don't want to get into we don't want to you know we don't talk about when with ideal learning environments but definitely exist in reality so i think it definitely made me empathize or or sympathize i should say because i've never been teaching a class with 60 students in rural india of course um but to sympathize with uh, teaching contexts of teachers around the world that are drastically different than at least what the three of us uh teach in Mike, you're muted, buddy. We, we still can't hear Mike, no, but Mike, we'll, you're we'll muted. wait for him. <laughs> Classic. He's back. He's back. It's a Zoom. Yeah, here we go, folks. Yeah, yeah. The Zoom moment. Wouldn't was, be, it wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a suitable end of your podcast without a Zoom moment. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. No, no, I think... What did I say? It was so profound, yeah. Uh, no, I think... Listen, I don't think that... that um, Jason was actually in disagreement with with anything that we fundamentally believe about teaching and learning. I, I think I think what I got from it was that there that there, as Andrew was pointing out, there is no one size fits all approach, mm-hmm. right? That that the end answer is probably this idea of a principled eclectic approach, right? Pedagogical pluralism, where you 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 use whatever works in the situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, you you um, what's the expression? You you bloom where you're planted, so to speak. Now that doesn't mean that you do something for the sake of doing it. That like there has to be some principled reason behind it. It should be informed by research. And I think Jason, if anyone listens to the podcast, he's a very well-read individual. Right? Yes. yes. So so there's no doubt that that he believes that decisions around teaching and approach should be based in some sort of framework or, or grounding right uh, scientific mm-hmm. or, or um uh scholarly grounding and he's right? actually so, created his own frameworks as well so he's yeah, he's yeah. very well read very well researched and does his own research of course as well so yes and and i think that that is a as a you know scholar practitioner that we all are i think that that's actually perhaps the greatest takeaway is that mm-hmm. is that is that um you know we can find out what 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 approaches are out there, find out what the research says, and then connect it to our own unique context, right? I think at the end of the day, that's, 
that's how you become better, right? It's is what we said earlier, Leo. It's it's testing these hypotheses yes. out, right? Yeah. Thinking like a scientist, right? Think, not just yeah. not dismissing something just because you know, yeah. engaging in conversation, engaging in discussion, taking points, and not having a black and white to everything. It's either right or it's wrong. It's good or it's bad. Most things are in the middle somewhere. But we need that. We need that in our industry because most mm -hmm. of the time, as I said in my previous comment, is that most of the time you just want to cancel someone out because you don't agree with them. And I think what I took from that episode was that is that we we brought someone in who basically defended something that I myself don't believe in, but I found myself agreeing with certain things that he was saying about PPP. And I think one interesting takeaway from that was, um, and I actually found this article because I was cleaning up my, my apartment these days. And uh, one of the things I found out is I found the original article written by, I can't remember his last name now, the guy who wrote about um, PPP for the first time in 76. Name escapes me. Uh, Byrne. Byrne, yes. 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 I don't know if it's David or Martin Byrne, but it's true. I actually found the article in Byrne. The way he designed PPP, it was a fluctuating model where you could start with the production. Yes. And then you would present mm -hmm. the language and then you would practice and then produce again. But somewhere in there, <laughs> maybe when the CELTA became the or thing. Or the textbooks, right? Or the textbooks, yeah. whatever. Yeah. They decided to maybe change the way PPP was originally uh, conceived and eventually became yeah. uh, what has I learned become. a lot about it. Just, I mean, I learned just from, from preparing for that interview and talking to Jason and all. I didn't know any mm -hmm. of those things. That the PPP was actually a PP in the 70s. And... Don Byrne? I want to say it's Don. Maybe yeah. it's not. Um, added the third P, which was the production. It was just presentation practice. There was no production. So, you know, I guess two final take. We got to get going here. But two final takeaways is one, the third P actually made an effort to make this more communicative. Mm -hmm. And second takeaway is that things change over time. And just because something worked in the past does not necessarily mean we should keep things, especially in learning and, and, and teaching. There's different, there's revising yeah. and there's revisions and there's reflection and there's things that just because it worked before doesn't necessarily mean it'll work, continue, or it could, but we need to keep evaluating and keep looking at it. The uh, question then is, is PPP dead? I don't think so. Oh, God, no. Oh, <laughs> Very God, much no. alive. Jason jokes about that, actually. He's like, I, I really want to stop talking about this, but it keeps coming back and books keep coming out and there's different people keep wanting me to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyhow, number one. Wait, 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 wait. Hold oh, on, hold on. So yet. wait a second. Okay. So number five was the listening round table. Number yes. four was Neil MacBillan. Yes. Number three was Vinicius Nobri. Number two was Jason Anderson. And number is one, number one, Jane Willis. It is not. No. Wow. It is not. It's not Jane Willis. Jane oh. didn't make the list, unfortunately. Oh, you see, that's one that I think. Yeah. Because it was a long. I mean, our podcast is the long form interview, um, type of podcast, and I was surprised because I don't know you, Mike. I was surprised I, too. Yeah, I, was surprised. I honestly think that was one of the best episodes we recorded last year. This year. Last year. This year. Though half surprised, half not, because the episode that is number one, I'm not surprised that it is number one, mm. because it's oh. a fantastic one. So the number one most listened to episode from our podcast from this calendar year is Dr. Mariah Michelle. 
Ah. And Leo mm -hmm. conducted this interview and uh, on her studies with alignment and learning by doing and what the role of input plays in learning and many, many other things. As you say, it's a long form interview what we do, so I can't summarize it in 30 seconds. But No, it's it's hard. But maybe maybe <sighs> just alignment, Leo. Can you give us a 30 second? What is alignment? What did she say about it? And how can we use First, it? First, by, by having models. You know, we know that modeling is extremely important. We already mentioned it earlier in this podcast. Authentic input is important because that's uh, where people get their models from and what they can align to. Excellent language learners. Some of them were, were just brilliant. They, they, as said, they took every opportunity they got to align to their partner. And they did this much more strategically than just um, having it overcome them, basically. In that sense, an input flood. So yes. where, where something has been used a lot, you can use it. And I think it's mainly to train structures in a more authentic, in a more task-based environment, rather than giving them exercises to use yeah. progressive form. I mean, give them all the models and tell them to continue on it. And they will, I, I bet you, they will use it. Even the structures that they tend to avoid. It's interesting because I, I am a huge fan of the work that Mariah is doing. Um, as you said, Andrew, we talked about a lot of things. And I think Mike will remember that a lot of the ideas from the podcast we used to create the three myths of language learning episode. And we yeah. released the ebook after that. But what I really like alignment is that alignment is basically the social dimension of language use because language is a social act. So what I've learned from this which is very interesting. And we are actually doing this here as we are speaking. We are aligning all the time because that's basically what happens. It's, it's this mutual understanding between the interlocutors. Like in this case, I'm talking to Mike, I'm talking to you, Andrew, in a conversation. And basically what we're doing is our mental models, which is a word that I've been studying quite a lot lately, they're aligned because we are sharing similar concepts of, for example, of concepts of time, we're sharing concepts of space, reference of a given situation. And normally what happens in, in second language acquisition is that you are aligning in different ways. You are aligning uh, linguistically, for example, using the same verbs, using the same grammatical constructions. Um, for example, using the same gestures. Like right now I'm using my hands as I'm talking. And, and if I'm talking to you, you will probably do the same thing, which basically means that you have aligned with me. So that was the, the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I really like the alignment stuff. And I think that as Leo pointed out, it really kind of gets to the social dimension, the social act that is um, using language, right. And, and performing in the language. Um, I, I thought the, the discussion, and this goes back to um, the, the myths, the discussion around authentic materials, and again, getting, going back to this idea of, of making, you know, encouraging teachers to rely on authentic speech and authentic materials um, is, is quite important and quite a, a valid takeaway. And this, this focus on not necessarily grading mm. the material, but grading the task, right? Not the text, but the task, um, I thought was, was really, really important because I certainly at Learn Your English, we always kind of recommend that um, that the tasks, or sorry, that the text be be authentic and represent authentic 
language in authentic use for authentic purposes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that um, that the challenge for a lot of teachers is is knowing how to do it and just being intimidated by them. It goes back to what we said earlier about the mm -hmm. TED Talks, right? Um, and the solution that I think came out of this episode was, was again, grading the task itself and, um, and scaffolding it, uh, not only, and at various stages, right, Leo? I mean, you mm -hmm. know, not yeah. only scaffolding it at, at one particular time, but this kind of ongoing scaffolding um, is quite important. And uh, the reason I think it's so important to use authentic texts. And uh, um, Mariah Michelle brought this up. She was was that we want we want the students to struggle just a little bit, right? Like they they need to struggle because without the struggle, the gap won't emerge, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that is again key to what we've just talked about in all these other episodes we've just we've mm -hmm. just mentioned, and that is that. It needs to be student-centered. Well, how can it be student-centered if you don't know what your students are capable of or interested in and so on? So I just thought, you know, I think it's ap apropos that it's it's the first one because it kind of combines right. salient points from the other four episodes here. It's just amazing that the numbers worked out that way. Yeah. Struggle and not give up, right? Yes. Because yeah. I think a lot of times, especially with listening and a lot of these ideas obviously connect together. When you play the first 10 seconds of a TED talk, for example, or any video, any listening te text, and the students don't understand something, they give up usually. Mm -hmm. And this happens a lot with, you know, speakers from places where accents, you know, the, the student doesn't have a lot of exposure from an accent from this part of the world. And this is where alignment can can be used in terms of listening, where the first task of a listening text is just to align our ears to the speaker it doesn't have to be accent but it could be pace it could be intonation it could be whatever the case may be right i, I speak spanish a lot poor, more poorly now than i used to but if i show up in a in a spanish-speaking place for for a vacation it takes me a couple of days to align my brain around oh yeah it's spanish again it takes me a little bit right and then when i come back to yeah, english the, the same thing down. happens yeah, yeah. so if we are as i know we all believe we should be um, helping our students, you know, acquire a more quote-unquote global English or lingua franca yeah. and, and using um, speakers from all over the world, uh, that's great. But the expectation can't be that they're just going to be able to do the listening tasks the first time off if they've never been yeah. too exposed to a speaker from, from wherever. Um, so aligning as the first that's listening task point. was interesting that what and you talked about yeah that's an interesting and then, oh, point and yeah. sorry mike let me just say this because no, i think it's going to connect yeah. to what you're saying i think you i think i'm foreshadowing what you're going to say here uh, interestingly um and i remember having this conversation with with mariah interestingly um the framework of alignment rejects the dichotomy between comprehension and production and i'm almost 100% sure that we've talked about this many times. And she was basically saying that when you're having a conversation, when you're having a dialogue with someone, production and comprehension become uh, tightly connected in a way that it leads to this automatic alignment of, of language at many different levels, at the verbal and nonverbal levels as well. It's funny because I wasn't <laughs> going to go that direction, but at the same time, my point totally... <laughs> Connects because I was going to say it really appreciates the bi-directional relationship, uh, right? That that not only are you a speaker, you're a listener, 
and that that as an equal partner in this that that it's this mutual alignment so yes leo i totally am getting at what you're saying right you (laughs) You 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 can't align unless you're also willing to align, right? Uh, so that's it. I was going to ask you your points align. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, points align. Gosh. That's true. Yeah. All right. So but there as- has to be that mutual alignment, right? Yes. So that's it. So you're receiving and giving at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Which, for some reason, in language teaching, we still see them as separate. Separate. Yeah. You can comprehend, but you can't produce. So you can't produce, but you can't comprehend. No, I think. I like that about alignment. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. Alignment rejects the dichotomy between comprehension and production. And as you said, Mike, I think in the end, our comments aligned. (laughs) And let's let's see if segment one here, which is longer than we thought, will align with segment two as we take a (laughs) pause. That might be like a three-minute segment. Um, but one thing I wanted to say, I forgot to say at the beginning, uh, listening back to that episode of us 12 months ago, we mentioned that we were really proud that our podcast had surpassed 4,000 downloads at that time. Oh, wow. And I know we're proud to say, and we're thankful to everyone who listens and supports us that, uh, at time of recording, our podcast has now surpassed 15,000 downloads. Uh, so Oh wow! Our two-year anniversary coming up again in January is is quite a we milestone, doubled. and we're very yeah, proud we of doubled. that. Here, yeah. here, yeah. more than doubled it. Yeah. So we'll not see that it. we're doing for the downloads. We're not doing it for the downloads. We're doing it because we we genuinely enjoy engaging in these conversations. But it's great to to see that we have grown of not course. only as a company, we have grown as people, and hopefully this will segue nicely into well we hope too. that the podcast serves as a pd tool for for teachers and and even students yes. out there who are learning and and seeing those numbers hopefully is confirmation that that this yeah. has value to people who are listening so thank you again Aww. for listening and thanks to all of those who were interviewed by us in 2020 absolutely. oh absolutely yes. without them yes and let's see if uh, segment two and segment three will reduce those downloads or or increase them. So let's, <laughs> let's take a pause here. We'll come back and we'll talk about lessons learned this year, which should be interesting given everything that has gone on. So we'll come back. You know, quality professional development is such an important part of the teaching industry, but it's surprisingly hard to come by. That's why I was so pleased to come across Learn Your English, a company providing online teacher education courses with a fresh perspective. My name is Erin, and I'm an English language teacher. After a decade in the classroom, I found myself teaching the same things in the same way. My learning seemed to have plateaued. I wanted to take charge of my learning, and I really like how the online Learn Your English courses don't prescribe anything. They motivate me to reflect on my teaching and propose tactics and ideas I hadn't considered. If you're a language teacher wanting to learn inside your busy schedule, I highly recommend their online courses on Thinkific. Head on over to lyenetwork.thinkific.com. That's lyenetwork.thinkific.com. Take control of your education. You won't regret it. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Angela from Columbus, Ohio, and you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. All right, well, welcome back to segment two. And here we're going to share what we usually share is our lessons learned from the previous 12 months or the previous calendar year. 2020 needs no introduction, uh, what happened this year. So guys, what have we learned or what have you learned, I guess, individually this year, either about teaching, about learning, about how to adapt 
per se. I don't know. We'll leave the floor open, but maybe Leo, I'll throw it to you first. What Oof. has been the biggest lesson that you've learned this year? It's um, what a year, right? Um, mm. A lot of a lot of interesting lessons. I could we, this could become an entire podcast episode, but I had a conversation with a Brazilian educator, and I think you know her, Joyce Fetterman. Mm-hmm. And we did a we did a, a live on Instagram where we talked about five lessons learned from the from the pandemic, and she wrote an entire article about that. And I wanted to interview her, and I remember having a conversation where we talked about a quote by a mathematician, John Ewing, um, in an interview at Forbes, for Forbes magazine, I think, and he said that um, he was basically talking about how how COVID nineteen, the global pandemic. Has had not only a uh, has had an impact not only on student learning but also on teacher learning. And one of the things, one of the quotes that he had was, "Teachers are education's first respondents." And when I when I think mm-hmm. about that, I, I think that really connects to the segment of the podcast because we are learning every day how to respond even more effectively to everything that has been thrown at us as a result of what happened. So. I think the pandemic has definitely taught many lessons professionally and, and personally to me, but I think the most important one, and this is based on the conversation that we had, is that I really think that we really need to learn um, to deal with adversity. And I think every, every obstacle, every adversity in our lives is actually an opportunity for all of us to practice our own virtues. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to use a, a quote by... By, by Seneca, who basically said, let fate find us ready and eager. And anyone who understands that will know that with any sort of, of seriousness, they can, feel this, uh, uh, they can feel this one on their bones. Everyone knows that being ready for whatever may come is beneficial. Planning for the future is great. But it's also very important for us to recognize the uncertainty that we face every day. So we have to learn to really embrace fate with eagerness, eagerness, I should say, even in times of, of tragedy, because a part of us, at least a part of me, is much eager to apply everything that I have learned. And I think the biggest lesson here is that hopefully um, everyone understands that there's a lot more appreciation for teachers now, because I think they understand that the role that I think parents understand, schools have understood this, but we, we as teachers, as educators, I think we also have a much better understanding of, of the role that we play. So for me, it's this. Every adversity presents an opportunity for us to prove our own ability to remain mindful amid chaos and to observe and learn from the way other people respond. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's 100% true. Yeah. Mike, what have, uh, what's your lesson? Yeah, it's kind of connected. Um, We're aligning. <laughs> aligning a little bit, yeah. And no, it, it kind of has to deal with ad- adversity, but I think it has to deal with more or less um, uh, your, your, your network around you. Mm. And I think a couple things. One is finding the, the, the sheer value of having a group of critical friends mm. who are able to, to be honest with you and to also um, guide you and, and to direct you when, when you, when you need help and support. And I think 
that um, being not only having that, but also being open to that feedback and being willing to change and adjust um, and being able to say that you're wrong and that you don't know when you don't know um, is, is quite important. Um, and it kind of goes back to what we said earlier. It's respecting multiple points of view and multiple answers to the same question, um, but then having the ability and the, the grace, I guess, to, to embrace some of those ideas and to, to, to find space for them within your own, um, your own practice. Or for me, I've been doing a lot of writing, so finding space for them in my, in my writing. Um, so, so being open to that support once you have found it, I think is, is really, really Im important. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah. For me, I mean, similar, similar line, obviously, I don't think we can have one that doesn't involve the pandemic, lockdowns, coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's right in your face and it, for, for, for reasons. But um, for me, I think the biggest lesson is to not take anything for granted. Mm. Because things can change, not always as drastically as they have in the last 10 months, obviously. But, uh, you know, Leo and Mike, we talk a lot about, you know, being comfortable, going outside of our comfort zone. I think that's, you know, we're not going to live in a pandemic, knock on wood forever. But I think that it's a mentality rather than a, a yeah. reality. Yeah. Um, where even when things kind of settle down and we're going back to school and we're teaching our classes, I think it's a good mentality to adopt of mm -hmm. keeping that in the back of our minds. Oh, you know, it might not be like this forever. Schools might not look yeah. like this forever. What can I do? What what creative thing can I think of? What should I do? And not just assume that we're, you know, life is going to look the same way uh, forever because it won't. I mean, if we look at mm -hmm. history, not again, not necessarily pandemics, but things things happen. World events happen. Things change. Uh, usually, you know, and change can be good, it can be bad. Usually it's neutral. It's how we look at it that yeah. makes it positive or negative. Um, and we can either get on the bus and go with it, or we can try to resist and probably, you know, fall in a hole somewhere. So yeah. I think, that's, and I think that's that, that last point is really key, Andrew. It's how we react, right? It's what, what's, our, what's the next step? And that goes for, for, I think, what all three of us have said, right? Like, it's up to the individual. How are we going to respond yes. um, to those realities and that feedback and, and so on? It's always an opportunity, right? It's always an opportunity to practice a virtue. It's an opportunity to practice resilience. It's an opportunity to practice collaboration, as you said, Mike. It's an op I think it's an opportunity for us in education to connect more, to teach less and collaborate more. I think that has been perhaps the biggest mm -hmm. biggest lesson for all of us and it's uh, interesting because all the three lessons were aligned <laughs> <laughs> but it's also really but hard to do that type those of year too right i mean yeah. you know lots of people have lost jobs and are in financial difficulties to put it lightly right so doing all of those you know introspective work is very challenging mm -hmm. in that kind of situation so i think you know the three of us have been in a really nice spot relative to a lot of people who are or not haven't had as good a shake at this. Um, but I think, you know, we get to see how how we react individually in stressful situations. How do I respond mm -hmm. to adversity? 
how do I, as opposed to how did I think I would react to a stress, mm. to stressful situations or to adversity. And it's okay to not react well sometimes. That's normal and that's human. But giving, you know, a long-term view or a long-term picture of it, I think is, is important. And it's a good way to, to get better as a person. Yeah. I was going to say managing our expectations as much as possible would be also connected to all of this mm. because you, you, you have to, like, you can't really ex rarely expect what isn't possible. And I, I guess nobody was expecting the pandemic to hit us, but, but we have to manage. And this, is, this has been a, a personal lesson for me. I've been learning to really manage my expectations um, a lot better and expecting less, perhaps. And I would, uh, for me, I want to add one thing before we finish. A lesson okay. not learned, I think. Mm. Um, I don't think we're in a, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I don't think we're in a position to make judgments on online education or online learning. I don't think we can say it works, it doesn't work. Because I think we're still in an emergency response to what happened. You know, online learning involves a lot of preparation, a lot of yes. development, a lot of materials. And right now... I would, you know, the majority of, of education that's happening is just transitioning, trying to transition, yeah. doing the best thing mm -hmm. that everyone yeah. can do, that face-to-face -face version in an online version, which is not a fair way mm -hmm. to judge if it works. And I don't know if it will work or it will, will not work, but I don't like when I see articles about the, the failure of online education. I think it's it's grossly unfair to see. And and that <laughs> was one of the main lessons that I I kind of like took from the, my conversation with with uh, with Miss Fetterman is that remote learning and she said this to me remote learning is not the same as distance learning when as you said and when the pandemic hit we all had to adapt almost immediately and start teaching classes online mm -hmm. using tools that most teachers were not familiar with without being properly trained to do so in poor conditions and without proper internet connection so this is not distance education but it goes to show that a lot of teachers Show, have shown a lot of resilience and, and flexibility and adaptability to make things work, including one of our friends wh whose name I'm not going to mention here, who said that they never liked online teaching, but they have said that online teaching is far more effective than face-to-face -face teaching. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to us, I think you will know who you are. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. A little, little mystery mm -hmm. and segment number two. Uh, let's take another pause. We'll come back with our final segment, I promise. Final segment of 2020, believe it or not, uh, where we will talk about our goals for next year and how and if the pandemic um, changes or alters what normal uh, goals for a following year would be. So stay tuned. It will be really Developing as a teacher isn't easy. It's even more challenging doing it solo. If you are looking to join a passionate community of teachers who love to learn, then the Learn Your English teaching membership can help. The Learn Your English membership allows teachers to develop what they want when they want to through monthly challenges, webinars, reflection tasks, and application to your individual teaching context, the membership brings like-minded people together from all around the world. If you love improving and taking risks in education, then join their growing community of teaching professionals today. Find out how at learnyourenglish.net backslash memberships. Hi, everybody. My name is Thiago Freire, and I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And you're listening to Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. Fala, galera. Meu nome é Thiago Freire, eu sou de São Paulo, Brasil, e você está escutando o Teacher Talking Time, the Learn Your English podcast. 
Espero que vocês gostem. All right, segment three of our final episode of 2020. And guys, before we say how and if we're making development goals for the next year, I have a question for you. I've been talking a lot about our episode 12 months ago in a similar vein to what we're doing right now. Do you remember what you said your goals for 2020 were on that episode? Oh, I should have expected this question. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I have uh, I absolutely no idea. Maybe, maybe listen, maybe wait. No, oh, I remember talking oh, about waiting. Right, Mike, well, Last hang on year. a minute. Here we go. Listen to this. So this, is, this is, <laughs> that's right. This is from, I have to give credit. This is from uh, my supervisor, Dr. Scott Douglas at UBC. Mm -hmm. um, very crucial question I, I've started asking myself. Wait, why am I talking? Oh, wow. Not bad. And it's all about just trying to be a better listener. Mm. I sound like that? Wow. Terrible. <laughs> I should be single. <laughs> so wait, uh, Mike. Wow, there you go. Um, pretty bang on. So my follow-up yeah. to that is, how did it go? Let's do some reflection. Did you achieve that this year? I think so. I, I, I don't know. You, you know me better than I, I know myself. I think I've tried to wait a little longer. I tried to speak a little less and just uh, let people speak first in some situations. <laughs> uh, that sounded evil, didn't it? No, no, I'm just thinking like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I've tried to, to stick to that goal, actually. All right, huh? good, good. So good you're, one. You, Scott Douglas, your supervisor, was the, the inspiration for that, that goal, right? That was the source. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, I've had a few people write that down actually, after I thought maybe I should have claimed that for myself. Yeah. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait. A few people have said, Oh, say that again. I, oh man. Wait. Uh, uh, all right. Leo, yeah. same question. Do you remember what you said? No, what I Leo's? don't remember. I don't remember. No I idea. No idea. All right. Here we go. That's yeah. a perfect mm, one. Yeah. Uh, full Scott credit to this. my supervisor, but, uh, yeah. Mm. I take that back. It's mine. For me, it would be trying to be less wrong is better than trying mm. to be right. So that's something that has become um, mm. because when when you focus, because I was thinking, because most of the time we have it goes back to the confirmation bias, right? We always want to think that we are right, but if I try mm. to be less wrong, when when I focus, at least when I focus on on being less wrong, I'm able to see a lot of the blind spots in my own. Mm. Um, rationale my own thinking my own arguments okay interesting very so interesting. leo mm, that's a good one uh reflection i well i kind of talked about that when uh when we were talking about jason anderson's um episode i've been trying to have a lot more conversations whether with myself when i go for my walks my pandemic walks or with other people because as i said i don't like I don't like the idea of canceling people. It has to do with this idea of making progress. And I think the only way for us to make progress is to accept the fact that you don't know everything. And like really trying to be more humble, I guess. That's the word. And, and I've, I was wrong many times this year. I've been, I've been, uh, I've been trying to 
remove my ego more from 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 uh, a lot of conversations that I have. And I remember when I read the the Jason Anderson paper, I remember getting really upset about that. But I was like, wait a second, why are you upset? Like you have to be the kind of person that you said you you are. So you have going back to practicing what you preach. I just wanted to really find ways to evolve as a person and engage in conversations with people that I disagree with without automatically canceling them. So I think I have made progress there. And I, I still think it's, it's a work in progress. Rome wasn't built in a day, right? You don't have to do it all today. It's just laying one brick at a time. Do they ever say how long it took to build Rome? I don't know. It wasn't a day, but how long was it? I how don't know. It's it? a good yeah. question. That's a good question. We can Google that. How long did it take to build Rome? <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> or are they still building it now? Yeah. I have, uh, okay, what is the answer here? How long did it take to build the uh, Rome? But I like that. I like that analogy. I like this idea that it goes back to what we said with James Clear, right? Um, 1% every day. So if you're getting 1% better right. every day, it, it compounds, right? It really mm -hmm. it accumulates. And in the long run, you are a much better person than you were. And when I think about that, Andrew, it's funny that you play that. <laughs> but in, when I look at my transformation from January to now, I'm a completely different person than I was back in January. There you go. Huh. There you go, folks. Wow. Yeah. You sound better too. It's a microphone. I, I think we all sound better. <laughs> I Maybe think so. Maybe not you, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> always sounding good. I sound bad all the time. Yeah. All right. I wish I had control over the audio for yours. So what oh. was yours, Andrew? Oh no, yeah. it's it's my game. I don't get to, I don't play mine. It's just ah, come on, no, come on. All right, all right. Uh, for the record, I did not remember what well, I before, said before you before you answer, Andrew. Approximately, yeah. um, wow, one one million one million ten thousand four hundred and fifty days. What? Yeah. Okay. How I don't many even know years? if it's... What's that? It's like one... <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a thousand. It was a million... Oh, my God. 10,450 days. So that's, that's a terrible all. analogy then. Shouldn't tell people that. Rome wasn't yeah. built in a day. Yeah, but it took them fucking centuries. Well, you, you, of course, you can, always, <laughs> you can always say that Rome is still being built. <laughs> Because it's constantly experiencing cycles of construction Rome and demolition. Is, Rome is constantly go. going through reflexive practices. Yeah. It's that, getting it's, better. It's, it's growing it's that as a post, city. right? Are you a noun or are you a verb, right? If you there are a noun, go. you're static. If you are a verb, you're constantly moving. You're constantly growing, right? Now, let's listen to uh, Andrew's Because I'm curious. I don't remember what you said. All right. But interestingly, I know Mike said the weight. But look, look what I have here. Oh. oh, I've had that written down on my on my serial killer wall here with post-it notes. It's not really great for a <laughs> podcast, though. Leo. Maybe you can read what it says to the listeners. It says, wait, why am I talking? So Mike's, mm -hmm. so it's been on my wall for been, a year now. It's been on the wall, yeah. Yeah. How do you like that? We do listen yeah. to each other sometimes. Mm -hmm. We do. <laughs> all right here's All right, mine. the suspense and is killing the me. reason why i listened to this episode was to prepare for this one but i also was like i knew we made goals last year and i had no idea what we said so i wanted to listen to what each of us said and i had no idea what i said either so this is what i said time why because more important or less important no more important more, more important because we're running out of it or i'm running out of it 
I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're the youngest one here. I know, but yeah, oh, gosh. I think that should have been my answer. I just think I value it more, um, in the sense that I I want to be more productive and I want to do things that I actually want to do. And I think time and and money uh, for me that doing using my time to do things that I enjoy doing that might not actually produce any income because I don't think I've I've learned that that's they're not they are mutually exclusive for me. Well, uh, that's funny. A, that's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess you I'll had say lots I, of time. I guess I'll say I achieved that not because I did anything, but because the world. <laughs> no, no, fate, me fate intervened. Yeah, fate yeah. intervened is a good way. Yeah, no, I think I've I could do better at that. I think I've done a fairly good job of, um, you know, this podcast is a good example of that. This is we don't do this for money. Obviously, we don't. You know, there's nothing there. Um, but it's fun and it's a way to grow and develop. And I've done, I think I've done um, a good job of doing similar things like this in other areas of my life. I have a couple other podcasts that aren't teaching related that are fun to do. I'm doing some more writing and doing some more reading. So like, those are things mm-hmm. that I mentioned there uh, mm-hmm. after that clip ended. So um, yeah, I can always do better. And I think we've all had lots of time, not time that we wanted. And right. the time that we've had has been a stressful time, not necessarily like a vacation or relaxing time, but um, I would give myself like a B minus on that, I think. Mm. Okay. Not that yeah, we're about I, I grades can, or anything, yeah. but I can there are instances this year that I could say that, yeah, I witnessed that firsthand. You making time for key priorities. I can know. still do better at it, as I'm sure everyone can, but I think I've improved from twelve months ago. Should we come up with goals for 2021 then so when we do the 2022 episode <laughs> we can listen back on it i don't know no uh, i feel like the- uh, we can slam down one goal each no yeah i was thinking about i was thinking about that mike i think the one goal that i want is i want learn your english to really because one of the great perks <laughs> of of this company is that we get to have regular conversations with one another and we get to have conversations with some of the people that we admire in this field. So um, I guess, I guess an interesting goal for us would be to see who we're going to be interviewing next year. And in terms of goals for me, I honestly don't have any, I think the only goal that I have for 2021 is to, I don't know, that's a good question. I can't really think of anything. Well, because the reason that we have it as a segment is because how how do we how does how does the current global situation change yeah. mm. uh, goal setting? Probably drastically, but on the other hand, maybe maybe I think my goal is this one, Andrew. It's to manage, Mike. It's to manage my expectations as much as possible. I've been working a lot on that, and it's just really expectation management has been a very important lesson for me, and something that I want to keep working for twenty twenty one. Rarely expecting what isn't impossible. That's good. Why don't Why don't we do this? Why don't we Why don't we make it very specific? Because obviously, education is going to continue to be online for the foreseeable future. So, what's a goal that you guys have for, based on what you've learned in the last eight to ten months, based on your experience working and teaching online? What's a goal that you you can make from that to improve the experience for you and your students next year? Yeah, for, for me, it's a little tough because I don't foresee myself doing a lot of teaching next year. And then 
be the day that I get like four or five offers and uh, <laughs> no, wouldn't that be nice? No, I, I think for, for me, I think the real challenge is that, that we're isolated and I, and I know that we're not isolated um, per se, but, but you definitely get that sense of feeling more isolated um, is, is, and Leo, you're big on this is mm. creating opportunities for yourself to, to show knowledge, right? And I've been really fortunate this year because I've had to put a lot of my ideas down on paper in the form of writing. Mm. Um, and I think I'll be continuing to do that. But you know, actually, I think Leo, you talked a little bit about this in our last um, uh, meeting with our membership, this idea of, of being able to explain very complex ideas in a way that is accessible mm -hmm. for a larger, broader, more diverse audience. And I think for me going forward for my, with my own studies, that's going to be the challenge. Simply put, feeling more comfortable in my shoes with my own ideas. Mm. Feeling a little bit less like a... Um, Practicing what you like theorize and theorizing yeah, what you practice. Yeah, but I think it goes back to developing those habits, Leo, that, mm -hmm. that you've done a great job of. Uh, developing those habits of, of forcing yourself to to produce these ideas and to explain these ideas yeah. in a way, be it through creating a PowerPoint presentation for nobody, but just <laughs> forcing, but right. Like, but it's tough <laughs> when you're isolated, right? You're by yourself. You're not meeting your regular study buddies. Um, it's tough, but you have to verbalize these ideas. And I think Leo has lots of great ideas that he's recommended to me and I'm trying to put those into practice, but that's going to be my focus is putting those Same. into practice, you know, journaling, uh, creating these ex, ex, uh, elaborate, elaborating on my ideas through through writing, through PowerPoints, yeah. and so on, um, so I can yeah just feel more comfortable in my my boots and yeah, mm. that's a good one. Love it. Tough, tough though. Love it. That's big. You got to build the right habits, Leo. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the one that involves good, good habits. Especially when it, you know the at home environment where where the the boundaries of work and play are not super aligned or super obvious always and there's always at least for me sitting at home you know in the evening and you get an email right. oh i can just respond to that email no problem but it's it it's just it blurs yeah, the wall yeah. there's a blur right where i'm sitting on the couch but i could be working or i get a thought oh let me write that down but then you go back into your work mind not so i think the whole world is is yeah. battling that right now and that's not teaching specific but getting into habits not only of productivity but of when do i have my work brain on and when can i train myself Ooh, to turn that off because i've had i've struggled a lot yes. turning it off sleeping yes. has been hard sometimes and just because you're not working Oof. doesn't mean you're not thinking about it so it, it, it can be tough that's that's a good one for all of us actually. that's not a goal that's a, company, that's a good one yeah <laughs> that's a hard one man i yeah. yeah for me it was it was the managing expectations but i was just thinking back to the one from 2019 to 2020 for me, it has been questioning my own assumptions in general. Um, mm. I know this to be true because lately I have been come to an understanding that a lot of the times when I, I assume something, it's because it's just a reaction. 99% of the times our assumptions about things are reactions to a statement. And if you do a little bit of of digging, if you do a little bit of an investigation into why you're feeling a certain way, 99% of the times you don't have a good reason to feel that way. So it's expectations, 
and and questioning. I've been probing myself quite a lot lately because I've been dealing with mental health issues. Um, as you said, Andrew, not being able to to turn off and just like working, like trying to have a conversation with myself where I'm allowing myself space to go back to what Mike said, allowing myself some space to do other things beyond work. I find that the pandemic, as you said, Andrew, really blurred the lines there for me. So you got to, you got to, um, you got to waft then that's what you're saying. Why am I feeling this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say a different type of, uh, well, 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 I mean, it's not, it's, it's very, it's kind of, yeah, maybe not. Interesting. Waft. 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 I like it. Let's, uh, (laughs) let's leave it on a waft. Please let's not. (laughs) You're wafting around. Uh, so those are our thoughts and our final thoughts, I suppose, oh. of, of 2020, top five episodes of the year. Uh, thank you to the guests. Yes. And thank you to everyone for listening and to listening for this one as we drone on about our goals and reflections. And thank you for being a part of our Teacher Talking Time community um, and our two-year anniversary episode coming up in January, which we hope everyone will or people will, will join it will be live on youtube a, a link will be circulated and we hope that uh we'll send a zoom link as well to join um to ask a question to to contribute to the conversation the focus will be podcasting as a professional development tool whatever that means um to you and we hope this podcast serves or finds its place at least somewhat in your professional life and helping you think and reflect and, and build on your practice as teachers uh, guys, any final 10-second thoughts for 2020? I want this year to be over. Move on. Let's turn the page. <laughs> He's blowing up. Yeah, yeah. John Let's Oliver blew up. He blew up 2020 like two weeks ago, didn't he? Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, likewise. Yeah, looking forward to a fresh start. I hope everyone has a great fresh start in 2020. All right. And happy holidays. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in January. been listening to Teacher Talking Time, brought to you by Learn Your English. Ready to take control of your education? You're in the right place. Teaching, professional development, learning. Expand your world with Learn Your English.